morning, everyone. So grateful to have you on this Labor Day weekend uh, that you took time out of your busy weekends, I'm sure, to be able to spend time with us. We're very grateful for it. So, and if you're watching online, also grateful for that as well. Um, it's interesting, like, you know, I was talking to the first service about how we always want to say that, you know, we're super busy and that everybody's busy and it just makes you sound really important and stuff. And it's kind of funny, like the last, I mean, with the last year that's kind of gone by, people would ask me, to be like, oh man, like, you know, like, are you are they getting really busy and stuff? And I'm like, you know, it's kind of funny, like, not really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really not that busy. I'm spending a lot of good time with the boys, a lot of good time with Megan. I'm feeling pretty good, like feeling like I can manage my schedule. And then it's interesting, like the last like month hit, the last month and a half, two months maybe, and things just really picked up, and it was like, you know, I, I told myself years ago, I told myself years ago when I was in youth ministry that I would, and I've said this on the stage before, that I would never put anything, you know, above Megan and the boys. Like, I just, I was like, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, back in the day, I, it, it'd be busy enough where, like, you know, I'd come home and Megan would say, like, hey, you know, I get the leftovers. I just feel like I get the leftovers. Like, you're grumpy. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you come home from work and you're kind of grumpy, you're kind of tired, and your spouse or your kids get the leftovers. And, you know, over a period of time, that's really started to make an impact on them. And obviously, it, it started to make an impact on Megan because, you know, she brought it up. They're like, well, I'm, you know, I just feel like I'm getting the leftovers. And so I told myself I would never do that again. And then the last four years, three or four years, I've done a really good job of not letting that happen. Um, I just said, I'm not going to do it. Like, I, this sounds terrible, but like, for me, like, and this doesn't mean I'm not giving my best, but like, Waypoint is always going to get the leftovers compared to Megan and the boys. Like, they're going to get my best. They're going to get, you know, I'm going to make sure that like, I'm being the husband God's calling me to be because I want to steward that, uh, that home, home life in that situation. And if I can't do that well, I don't, I don't think I should have the opportunity to steward the stage or anything like that. And so while I mess up and I'm imperfect, I, I, told myself I don't want to do that. So it's interesting that the last two months, though, have, have started to, like, really pick up. And um, things that just between, you know, weddings and counseling and then starting a new, like, young families ministry and young adults ministry that we've been doing. And then I've been, I'm an on-call chaplain at Goshen Hospital. And it's like, it, it, things have just gotten really busy. And so I've been starting to feel that lately. Like, oh, man, I'm letting those things creep back in. Like, the things that I never wanted to do let creep back in have started to creep back in the last couple months. And maybe you're feeling like that. Maybe you're in that season. So yesterday I was here, I was touching some things up, was prepping and stuff, and, and I had to go to Menards to get a door handle to fix because I think the boys, like, they hang on it. I think it broke. I'm going to blame them at least. And so we're at, Men I'm like, let's go to, I got to go to Menards. I text Megan. I said, hey, I'd like to take the boys to Menards. Like, I, I, don't, I was going to go by myself, but I really, I, I just, I haven't seen them as much as I want to. And so they were all pumped about that. Have you ever taken kids, to, I know, and I know you have, you've taken kids to a store? I mean, it just like, God bless any of you moms who have just, who have taken your little kids to stores. Like, I see moms in Target sometimes, and I used to almost be like, oh, wow, like kind of laughing a little bit. I was not laughing at all. I mean, I was in Menards, and like, they were sprinting up and down the aisle. They're like hiding. At one point, you know that creepy movie called It, like with the Pennywise clown? Like, I don't like scary movies. Like, they had put the, in the Halloween section, they had put the It Pennywise masks on, and they're like, dude, I, I was like, whoa, I'm getting freaked out here. I mean, it was, it was kind of a crazy time at Menards. So we went over to Menards, and, and they're like, Dad, can we get a toy? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. We can get a toy. So I want to show you, these are the toys that I bought, and if Megan hates me, this is why. 
I bought three plastic swords, and if you can imagine, last night there was a lot of crying, a lot of fighting, and plenty of like hands that got hit because people are smacking each other with these swords. So if you see Megan with an angry face the next like, well, until those things go in the trash, you'll understand why. Like, shouldn't have got them those toys, right? But I'm like, well, we're going we're gonna to beat, beat each other up a little bit with these things. Anyways, I say that because it's been a busy season. And any of you could say that about your lives. Like, oh, this has been a busy season or it's not been so busy. No matter what season you're going in, whether it's really good or really bad, it, it's, we're all walking through different seasons. Some people are having a really tough time right now. I mean, you can look at different stats. Uh, depression, suicide, uh, off the charts, rising. Uh, Hard, hard rising right now, and it's crazy. And you would have thought as we started to come back together that those things would be, begin to diminish, but they're actually still rising. Uh, there's a lot of things that are rising that I'm seeing personally, um, but then there's a lot of people right now that are going through really good seasons. Like things are really just going well, life is good, relationships are good, and, and I feel like we've been in that season for quite some time, like Megan and I, like Good things, uh, you know, fun, fun times with the boys, fun times together. We've kind of been in that season. But there's been something, and I, I try to always be, you know, up, up on stage. I want, you to, I want you to hear my story so that you recognize um, that I always want to come from a place that is, is, is um, not just genuine, but I want to come from a place that is just like, man, that, you know, God's teaching him in the midst of this. And so, you know, there's different things that I wrestle with, and the last uh, couple months, I've, I've seen this thing kind of pop up in my life, and, and it's been over the course of a, a period of time, and um, I'll be completely transparent. Yesterday, after I got home from, from Menards, pro- probably because I was just totally just like t- tired and exhausted, but I really had a tough night. Like, it was, um, it was really bad. I felt like there was a lot of things that started to creep up mentally on me that was like, oh, here's some of the things, and like, these need to be right, and this needs to be perfect, and before you know it, I'm like, shoot. So I went to bed at like 8.30 last night. I never go to bed very early, but I went to bed at like 8, 8.30. Megan had a friend over, and they were watching TV, a uh, movie out in the living room, and I went to bed, and I never wake up early. I don't really like waking up early, but I woke up at 5.30 this morning and decided to get ready and hopped in the truck and decided to drive on the bypass. Um, for a little while. So I probably drove like 30, 40 minutes, you know, uh, towards South Bend. And I just, like, there was something about just the crisp morning that I just felt like God had spoke to me and was like, there's some things in your life that you need to surrender. And during this season of time, if you don't steward these well, you're never going to be able to steward the things I have for you in the next season well. I don't know exactly what season you're walking through. I don't know if it's a good one or if it's a bad one. But what I do know is that you're in a season, and the season that you're in right now impacts the season that you're going to be in next. So if you would, really fast, I'd love to just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to to challenge us this morning um, as we kind of dive into what this looks like. Dear Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit. I ask that um, I speak boldly. I ask that I speak, uh, that my words are not heard, Father, that your Holy Spirit is heard. Um, I ask that this comes from a place of walking through different seasons myself, God. um, I stand up here imperfect and flawed as all get out. Um, But I ask that your Holy Spirit um, would move. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of life that you've given us. Um, You've provided us hope. Um, You have provided us life. And for that, we will be forever grateful. May you seep in our hearts today. May we walk away with... uh, just a redemptive spirit in whatever season we're walking through. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I called this message Heel Grabber. Um, 
And there's some, there's, we'll, we'll kind of get into this, but uh, we kind of live in like a me first, not kind of, if you're in a part of our society, you see that we live in a me first society. I mean, how many of you guys have ever gotten mad or like, not just a me first society, but like a quick society, like everything I need it now and stuff. How many of you guys have ever gotten mad in a fast food drive through like, you don't need to show your hands, but have you ever got mad in a fast food drive through Like, how in the world? It's been in a minute and a half. How are the fries not out? The chicken nuggets, I swear, have been made for, like, two days. That They're just going to chuck them in the microwave. Like, ah, this is taking way too long. It's been, oh, now it's been three minutes. This is absolutely ridiculous. I've gotten mad in a fast food driveway before, and it's kind of interesting and funny because it's like, wow, I, I'm going at the fastest level of food available. In fact, we love quick stuff, right? Like what's Geico saying? I mean, if you take 15 minutes of your time, like we're only asking for 15 minutes of your time. And if you give us 15 minutes of your time, man, we can save you 15%. Jimmy John's, it's like, hey, freaky fast. There's been times where I literally have still been on the phone ordering my sandwich and Jimmy John's arrives at my house. That was a joke. They really haven't done that. But anyways, it's like Jimmy John's, freaky fast. I mean, we're talking like some, I mean, let's get this thing going. The best meals usually are not prepared in five minutes, correct? Like, for example, Thanksgiving, probably one of my favorite meals. I see the work that goes into that. I've never participated in the work that goes into that myself, but I see the work that goes into that. You got moms that are preparing the week before. That's why it's the best meal, because it's a process. Man, you want to make a really good turkey? These guys just had an event a couple day, uh, last week, and they had, uh, what was it, pork, like pork loin or something or whatever, and Brian Bear had, like, man, this thing was simmering or smoking or whatever it is for, like, 24 hours. Man, that's really good stuff. Can you imagine if they were to put that in the microwave? Like, it's just cold, and they're like, yeah, you know, it'd be fine. Let's, let's put it in the microwave for 10 minutes and just get this thing nice and hot. No, it was simmering. It was preparing for 24 hours Here's a word that we don't like, process. We don't like it. Now, some people do, and you're, you're kind of a freak if you like, no, I'm just kidding. We don't like the word process, we like the word product. Like, I don't wanna read about the new iPhone that's coming out this, uh, this fall. Like, I wanna see the new iPhone that's coming out this fall. You know what's hard about ministry? What's hard about ministry is you don't always see the product. And I'm not talking about ministry from the stage or in the church, I'm talking about what you guys do, what we do as a church. We don't always see the product. In fact, most of the time, I'd say we don't see the product. We get to see the process, and it's very difficult sometimes. If you've been praying for somebody that you know at work for two years, and then they get a new job, and you think, man, I'm not sure anything I ever said or prayed for really mattered, because I had two years with them, and what you're not seeing is the, the seed that is planted. What you're not seeing is the process but when you're in a season and when we have this culture that's me first and I want it now and I want it when I want it, we really start to get into a serious issue. And I believe that's not what God wants because what you do in this season matters in the next season. And so I want to take you to a verse that I think is just absolutely perfect. It's a perfect Peter verse. God is talking to the disciples. He's telling them all about the things that he wants them to be able to do, some of the things, that, some of the values Look what Peter says in Matthew 19, 27. If this isn't a Peter comment, I don't know what is. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. Like, keep in mind, remember in the scriptures when it talks about that? It's not just saying like, hey, why don't you leave a couple things and, you know, go make sure that everything's good. And then you, no, Jesus is like, yeah, I, I know that you want to go say bye to your mom. I know you want to go say, I know you still have stuff to, no, 
I need you to drop everything and follow me. Can you imagine? So Peter, of course, is concerned. He's like, hey, we have left everything for, like, to follow you. What then will there be for us? Put yourself in Peter's shoes. What if you were to give up on your dream or your job or your security, and at the end of your time, you have nothing left to show for it? What if I'm in ministry for 20 years and it all ends and I didn't make a single impact? What if you're a businessman, you're in, you start your business for 20 years and at the end you have nothing to show for it? What if you're a teacher and you're doing stuff for 20 years and you look back and not a single kid like you made a di- How would you feel? You'd feel terrible. Because the things that we want to do, we want to be able to leave an impact. We want to be able to have something to show for it. Peter's asking a very genuine question. He's saying, hey, like, I'm going to follow you, and like, I gave up everything, but like, what do we have? And Jesus answers him in 28. He says, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses of brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. See, I love this because it's a kingdom mind. Jesus is painting a picture of being kingdom minded. We don't want to leave this earth with nothing to show for it. I don't think anybody wakes up and says, today I want to not make an impact. Nobody says that. Today I don't want to leave a legacy. And Jesus is saying right here that this is a kingdom minded thing you know what, Peter? You're right. You might have nothing to show for this. This season that you're in, I've called you to, and when this season is done, whatever it looks like, you might end up dying. You know, I don't know. We know Peter ended up dying. He was crucified. Like, we don't, I don't know, Peter. I, I mean, I can't, there's nothing I can give you right now to tell you that the season you're in is going to have something in the next season to show for I can't say that you're going to be this person with a bunch of wealth and a bunch of stories and a bunch of, and prosper and all that stuff. But what I know is that if you have this kingdom mindset and you choose to be a steward and do it well in this season, you will receive 100 times as much and you will inherit eternal life. But many, because many who are first will be last, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Probably one of the more, um, misquoted things where it doesn't just mean because you always stand in the back of the line eventually you're going to be first or because you're always first you're going to be it's it's this kingdom mind perspective it's a servant attitude it's saying if you choose to follow me at my sake and you put yourself at the lowest of the low positions to be able to elevate people just like Jesus did for us you will inherit the kingdom of God that is a beautiful picture of what the kingdom mindset says but here's the thing we all want to have what we want now. We don't live in a... How many, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I hear this all the time. Ah, I'm just not a patient person. Ah, I'm not very patient with my kids. Patience is a really difficult thing. When you're, when you're waiting on something, I mean, I never even wanted to wait till Christmas morning to open up my presents, and I think many of you would agree. That night, I was down shaking them things, and I was like, hey, mom and dad, is there any chance I can just rip these things open? Why? I don't want to wait for them till tomorrow. Well, it's just one more night. I know it's one more night, but I've been waiting long enough. People aren't patient. It's why patience is a virtue. It's why it's a discipline. It's why it's a spiritual discipline, because it's difficult to be patient. And when you're in a season that you're wrestling with something or you're battling, the last thing you want to do is for that season to continue to move forward. You want to be done with it as quickly as possible. But God has plans for you in this season so that you can steward this season well 
And because of it, it will impact what your next season looks like. I can promise you this. I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I think that's fate. But I believe God can use anything. And I think if you were to look at his uh, program for your life, as it talks about in Jeremiah, that he has a plan to prosper you, it would almost look like a thing of stair steps where each season there's a new challenge. With each season there's a new climb and there's a path to get to it. And it's not just like this, as we know. Sometimes it's like this. It's, but it can also look a little like stair steps where each platform you get is moving you a little closer to who God wants you to become. And I named this heel grabber because I want you to sh- see in Genesis how we have a picture that we sometimes are born, not sometimes, we are born with a me first mentality. For example, Isaac is praying to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. Rebecca does not have children and they really, really want children. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Now I want you to see this part in 22. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? I don't know exactly what that means, but I think what it means is she's probably saying, God, why is this going on? Maybe she was in pain. Maybe she was in agony. I've never, obviously, carried a child myself, but one of the things that when Megan carried our three babies, I remember it was always so unique as she would tell me things that were going on. Oh, the baby moved or the baby kicked, and I never got to experience, obviously, what that's like. And if I did, you have a lot of questions to ask me. But Again, another joke. Thank you for a laugh. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Give, give a round of applause. No, you don't have to give a round of applause. Um, I never realized what that was like, but Megan did, and she got to tell me firsthand. I don't know what it was like for Rebecca, but my guess is maybe she was in some pain. Maybe she was in some agony. Maybe she was struggling because she's, what I do know is she's crying out to God. She's saying, why is this happening to me? I'm going to go as far as to maybe even sh- say she's like, God, if this is the pain that I'm in, if this is the struggle I'm in with these babies jostling inside me, maybe it wasn't even worth it. Maybe I should have never gotten pregnant in the first place. I'm gonna go as far as to say there could, could have been that in Rebecca's heart. But I want you to see the next thing. So she went to inquire of the Lord. And I love what the Lord says here. The Lord says to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within, will be, uh, within you will be separated. This is crazy special. I actually get kind of chills reading it. Rebecca has no idea because she's so focused on the here and now that she actually has something crazy significant going on inside her. The only thing she can focus on right now is inquiring to God about her current season that she's in of pregnancy and saying, God, this is terrible. Why would you do this? What's happening to me? Why is this going on? She has absolutely no idea until she hears from God that she has two nations inside her, that the next season of life when these two babies are born is about to change the world in a rapid fashion. My guess is Mary would have said the same thing. In fact, she did say the same thing. She would have been pregnant without being married. She would have been ridiculed. She probably would have been embarrassed. We've read the Christmas story. We know what went on. We have a glimpse And she probably would have been like, God, why me? Why did this take place? How could this happen? And she was focused on her current circumstance because that's what we do. We focus on the season that we're in. But she was carrying the king that all these years later we would still be talking about and we would still be following after. Rebecca has no idea until God tells her that she has two nations inside of her. Sometimes the season that you're in, if you would just be patient, 
you would recognize that God is doing something big in your life. He's doing something miraculous, something marvelous in your life. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. In 24, it says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Now, I feel like the older you get, the more hair that you get, and it's one of those things I was listening to somebody say, gosh, I've gotten so old, I got hair coming out of every crevice. If this little guy was, his whole body was like a hairy garment and he's just born, I can't imagine how hairy this man must have been by age 60 or 70. I mean, this must have been like a gorilla man. So when you hear Esau, that's what it's saying. This is a hairy dude. Now after this, his brother came out and this is where I want you to catch and where I want you to highlight because Jacob's name means heel grabber. See, I think this, God put this in here because it's a perfect picture. Jacob's trying to get ahead, and he's a baby. If you read this, Jacob is grabbing Esau's heel. They don't, these are babies. They don't even understand. Like, you know how when a baby comes out, they don't understand what they're doing. Jacob is grabbing Esau's heel, and I think it's kind of a perfect picture of a me first He's actually trying to like, basically, he's probably trying to like pull Esau back in because at that moment, and the reason this is written too, is during the context of this, it's a big deal to be firstborn. Tons of opportunities to prosper, tons of birthright stuff. There's, there's so many blessings through this. And Jacob is already having, we were born with a me first mentality. I want it now mentality. I want Esau's birthright. I want this and that. Jacob is grabbing Esau's heel. And that's why he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth. See, I want to tell you that I think sometimes we're so focused on the season of here and now and to get ahead and complain and to say, God, why am I here? And to say, God, how could you allow me to go through this? Or you could say, God, I just want to get to the next season. And I think sometimes we give up what we want most to get what we want now. I think it's a classic societal issue that we have going on. In fact, I see it all over the place. Technically, for my generation, the millennial generation, I believe the cutoff's 84, so I would be in that. We want to be CEOs within the first week. We don't realize that you got to work your way up the ladder. For those of you that have climbed the mountain, if you will, in terms of your job, you know what it took to get there. You didn't wake up overnight and graduate with, from college and then all of a sudden after the first week say, yep, I'm ready to be CEO. That didn't happen. You had blood, sweat, and tears, elbow grease. You worked hard to get where you were. It's this mentality of the season that you were in, you stewarded well. And because you did that, the next season for you was rewarding. But that's from an earthly standpoint. Now I want you to take it to a kingdom-minded standpoint. God has plans for you. He wants to grow you. He wants you to prosper. But if you can't steward what's in your current life right now, he has no opportunity. I know some Christians that have been Christians for 30 years that are still baby Christians because they never stewarded the season that they're in. It's like me. If I have a dollar and I don't steward this well, why would God give me a million? I have some connections in the NFL. And one of the things, honestly, is that I always hear from these people, is these, and you guys see it too, these guys can't keep their money. There was an uh, uh, interview with Terrell Owens, and he was asked, how much money have you accrued? $67 million, he said. And he was asked, how much of that do you have left? He said, nothing. Because some of these people that come into the NFL, they've never stewarded any money. So why would we expect them to steward the next season of a ton of money? This happens in our spiritual lives. 
We stay babies for a long time. We stay Christian babies for a long time. Why? Because our t- not only has, have we not been able to pass the faith test of the season that we're in, but we don't even want to be in the season. A prime example would be this. God appointed David as king, correct? God gave David this opportunity. He's like, hey, you're a young guy. I want you to be king. I anointed you. You know what anointing means? Sometimes we use that and it's like, oh, what's this church word? Anointing just means approved. You were approved. Like, I really believe I was anointed to be in ministry. I believe some people are anointed to be teachers. I believe some people are anointed to be businessmen. It just means God approved you for what your role is. I believe the youth guys that we have sitting right here, they were anointed to be uh, in youth ministry because they're incredible. I believe that there's uh, different people that were anointed, approved by God to be different things and different roles. And David is anointed by God to be king at a young age. And at that point, you would have thought, okay, David, like you're now anointed king. David probably would have thought, all right, cool. Like, let's do this. I'm ready to go. Like, let's go to the palace. I'll hitch a ride there. We're going to start. What does God do? God sends David back to the pasture. Now, I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but I would have been pretty ticked about that. If I have a dream and a vision and God approves it and says, yes, I want you to do this, I'm thinking, let's go full steam ahead. I want to make sure we get there. But God actually says, no, before we get there, I actually need you to go back to the pasture. It's because if you can't steward the pasture, you will never steward the palace. And I believe this is true. The reason that God sent David back to the pasture because David had to learn how to steward that pasture before he ever could steward the palace. I really believe this. If I can tell you honestly, I believe God wants to take each person to the palace. Now remember, keeping a kingdom mindset, you could say, well, Mike, not everybody's a leader. Not every-. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the palace being this wealth thing or I'm talking about the plan that God has for your life and who he created you to be. If you're a person that you've had tons of success and you're, you're older now and you think you've got it figured out, can I tell you there's more heights? Because we never stop growing. We never stop humbling ourselves to grow before God. There's still a palace waiting for you. And you might have even experienced parts of the palace, but there's parts of your life that you have to go back that he's going to take you back to steward in the pasture because he wants to make sure that the servant attitude that you have and the growth you have in the pasture will carry over to the palace. And in fact, Psalm 138, six, it says, though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. This is really interesting. God, if you wanna put a wall between you and God, have a prideful heart. If you think you're a person that has arrived, if you think you're this and that, you've put a wall between you and God. And he will never be able to grow you to the place that he wants you to be because you have this wall up and it involves pride. He is near to the brokenhearted and he is near to the humble. He is far from the proud. You know what I love about David too? David was a man after God's own heart. David took that, he shepherded the goats and the sheep. He took that very seriously. So when it came time for the palace, he was ready. You might be going to a job every day that you hate you're like, man, I'm, I'm cleaning toilets or whatever I'm doing or I can't stand the people I work with. Or you might be this, this person that's like, man, I wake up every day and the people, it's a, it's a lousy job and the people that I'm with are, they don't love Jesus. And you know what I say? Good, good. That's your pasture. 
You don't have to be in the palace right now to be thriving. That's your pasture, and God says, steward it well. People don't know Jesus in this job. People don't know Jesus in this role, and people don't, and, and you don't want to wake up and do it. You know what? You might be the only form of Jesus. You might be the only shepherd in that pasture that they might ever see. And I'm not saying that every single person that leaves the pasture goes to be a CEO. What I'm saying from a kingdom-minded perspective is that God wants to grow you to your specific palace. And if you don't have the opportunity to be able to take your season of life that you're in right now seriously and not be wishing it ahead, you might not ever get there. Because I think a lot of times, just like the fast food thing, we want it quick, we want it bigger and better. But you and I want something bigger and better, and we can't even steward what we have now. Maybe that's the case for some of you. So there's three things that I want to try and boil this thing down. And I'm going to boil it into two words that we don't necessarily like. This is what I think God might be doing in the season that you're in right now. Whether it's a good one or it's a bad one. I think God might be getting you to look at him. Whatever season you're in, if it's good, I think he wants you to recognize that he's good. If it's bad, I think he wants you to recognize he's there. I think the second thing is he wants you to recognize his sovereignty. What does sovereignty mean? It just means God's, it's God's absolute. It means that he is absolute, he's good, he's gracious. In layman's terms, he, he is. I guess that's the best way I would describe. It's recognizing who he is. He's in control. He is God. He is the Almighty. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega might be having you recognize his sovereignty, sovereignty. And last but not least, it's maybe that he's getting you to a place of surrender. Maybe the season that you're in right now, he can't allow you to get to the next season where you thrive because you haven't fully surrendered the things that he needs from you. One of the things we love, and I think specifically as American Christians, is this idea of control, of stability. We all love it. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, you are actually called to thrive. You were. He has plans for you. I, heard, I had a buddy that's really in tune with the Holy Spirit the other day. He was talking to me about how, like, he's like, man, God, you know, God's called me to, to this and to that. Like, I want to get that mansion, and I want to bless these people, and I want to, and I thought, wow, that's kind of cool the way he was talking about the way he wanted to thrive and what God was calling him to. But sometimes there's places in our lives where we have not fully handed a certain area over and I think a lot of us, it's stability, it's control. It's all good to have. I, I want to be able to be in a place where I can take care of my family too, always. And I want to be able to have stability just like every other person in this room. But the disciples were called to leave everything. And I think what that means from a kingdom-minded perspective is, what do you need to surrender that God can take you to the next season? Maybe there's something in your life. And in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It might not even make sense. Some of the things you're supposed to give up, some of the things you're called to do, some of the seasons that you're supposed to enter into might not even make sense. But all you have right now is your current situation and your current circumstance. And you're called to live in it well. You're called to steward it well. You're called to take responsibility. You're called to do it with grace. You're called to do it with love. I don't know how long that season's gonna last. Maybe for some of you it's 10 years. I don't know because we don't always know the how and the why and the timing of God. But that doesn't matter because he called David 
to the pasture. And if you're in the pasture right now and you're in a place necessarily that you don't want to be, he's telling you, you need to live well. You need to live with love and with kindness and mercy and grace. And if you're able to do those things, I believe that you will get a chance at the palace. I really do. I want you to see a song as we kind of close out um, that I think real, realistically is, uh, I was driving this morning, like I said, on the bypass, and this song came on. I was like, man, I really want to show them the last two, two minutes of those lyrics. I think it's really good. Take a, take a listen real fast. Life into troubles, heaven exhales, and my soul is revived. How great is the one whose hope climbs the horizon? Just when it feels like the end is new life, how great is the one who brushed death off our shoulders? Victory. driving this morning, I just, I wanted to play that because that hit me, and I hope this is a challenge to you as we kind of close, that there's two things ultimately that God wants to boil all this down to you, and it's this idea of two words that we really don't like all that much. Nobody sits there and says, oh man, these words are easy. It's trust and growth. Trust, I think, is one of the hardest things to do, because when things are going good, There's a level of, I don't want to say complacency, but it can be sometimes complacency in our hearts. And when things are going bad, it's really hard to trust God that he knows what he's doing. If you're walking into a season right now that's really good, maybe you've almost stopped trusting God because you have enough security. Maybe if the season that you're walking through is not good right now, you've stopped trusting God because you feel like he doesn't doesn't really know what he's doing. But I believe that trust is something that this boils down to. You see, there was a level of trust that David had. He didn't rush to get to the palace. He didn't rush to get, really, honestly, he took his time to recognize that the pasture was the thing that was going to grow him to become 
the leader that he was meant to be. The season that you're in right now is going to dictate the next season of life from a kingdom-minded spiritual perspective. It does. You can read the scriptures and you can see this time and time again. Don't think the season that you're in, good or bad, is void or it's wasted or it's wasted time because if it's filled with some flaws and mistakes, that's not wasted time because God can grow you in those moments and now you can steward the season you're in better right now. You don't have to wait till the next season to get the promotion, to get the better job, to get in a better relationship, to have things going. Steward what you're doing right now and do it well. I look at this with my family. The relationship that God has called me to with Megan, I'm gonna steward that well. Being a parent to my boys, I'm not gonna wait. I don't wanna wait and say, well, someday it'll be maybe a little easier because they're crazy, right? No, I'm gonna steward being a dad. I'm gonna be a good steward of being a dad right now. I'm gonna try to be steward of being a pastor or a chaplain of the hospital or whatever it means. I'm gonna try and steward to be a friend. I want to have those things. I wanna be a good servant. I said this in first service. I said, if you have ever been to a church where the lead pastor at one point was in the pasture and he was a servant and now he's in the palace and he's not a servant, whoo, that's scary. Because the things that David learned in the pasture were the things that made him thrive in the palace. When he was in the palace, he was still a servant. He had God's, he was a man after God's own heart. That's one of the things I appreciate about Blair is that Blair is still a servant. He might be the lead pastor, but he's not above anything. Our board, our access team, whatever you want to call them, they're not above anything. They're servants. You wouldn't know if they're in the palace or the pasture because they've taken the role of being a servant seriously. And I think through this, God wants you to trust him and he wants to grow you in whatever season you're in. I feel like I was able to get a little bit, be a little clearer in first service and I'm sitting up here right now and I just, I, let's just pray, let's pray. I just kinda, I wanna close out in, in prayer and just bring this together. Jesus, right now, there's just, oh, there's so much going on in our world. I'm seeing it. I mean, there really is. <laughs> there's so much going on. Whether you're a, a student or you're an adult or you're a, pa- a parent or it, what a grandparent, doesn't matter. There's so much going on in our world right now. And we easily, we can easily get to a place where we want to get to the next season we want to get to the next thing. I've talked about it before, and it's, it's on my heart because, God, I believe that we really do have an opportunity to grow. We have an opportunity to trust you in the season that we're in. Like last night, I remember I was kind of like laying there and just like, God, you know, I want to surrender some of this stuff. Like I'm kind of, I'm tired of this. And I felt like this morning I woke up with a, a little bit of a perspective of saying, yeah, your season's going to be the same for a little while. But you can either thrive in it and, and be a good steward. You can, you can choose to serve. You can choose to be a, a person that's positive. You can choose to be a person that encourages and walk through this season and trust me and I will grow you to be the person that you were meant to be. Or you can keep trying to get out of this season and just think, ah, this is just too difficult and miss an opportunity and you will be a baby Christian for 30, 40 
50 till the day you die. I don't want to be a baby Christian. I want to be a person that is pursuing you, Jesus, and growing deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in my faith. Simply because I chose to embrace the season that I was in. And then when you called me to the next season, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like for anybody in here, I was prepared for it. I know there's people that aren't prepared for it that you still bless. Well, that's from a world standpoint. Because success is very subjective. There's a lot of good people that have made a lot of money that have had status and popularity. There's also a lot of bad people that have made a lot of money or had success or popularity, all that stuff. But we're not talking about that, God. We're talking about a kingdom mentality. I want to grow. I want to be deeper in my walk with you. I want to be deeper in my faith with you simply because I embraced the season that I was in. May we do that today, God. Whatever season we're in, may we embrace it. May we take a moment to thank you for where we're at and say, I am not going to miss an opportunity to grow here. That's what my hope and prayer is, God. I really, God, I just hope this, I hope this is clear. I know in my heart and my mind it is, but help me just, I hope I communicated this in a clear way. We need to embrace where we're at. Embrace the pasture, and maybe someday, God, you will take us to the palace. I believe that's what you want for us. You want us to thrive. We love you, and we praise you, and just thank you for these people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.